We're looking at John 16 today. John 16, verse 16 to 33. So I think it'll be helpful if you have the text open for you because we'll be, we'll be pretty much going through uh, the, the, the verses. I just realized that I didn't ask someone to read the scripture. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so sorry. Looks like I have to read it. So, um, John 16, verse 16 to 33. Uh, it's a rather long text, uh, but uh, please follow along as I read. Your sorrow will turn into joy. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I mean by, what I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing from me. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Let's read. Let's pause up till there. As you all know, we were uh, on a long trip back home, visiting family. And as I was reading this, this thought came to my mind. One of the most difficult part of going home is leaving. Um, and I know that that's probably the worst way to think about going home, uh, meeting your loved ones, but you can't help uh, thinking of the thought of leaving, of going away. And so the, the, the part that I'm kind of most afraid of when going home and getting together is the idea that we have to leave at one point. Um, and so thinking about departures, thinking about leaving people that you love, um, that is probably what haunts me the most. And I think I can't help but uh, think about that when I read this text. This is often called the farewell discourse of Jesus, uh, right from 15, in fact, right from 13 onwards, uh, in which Jesus, he knows his time has come. He knows that in a few hours, he will be separated from his loved ones, from his friends. He knows that his time for leaving has come. And it's that that knowledge that, um, that uh, brings so much, um, I think, so much emotion to these texts. And I think, again, reading this, um, I'm quite convinced that this is a really emotionally intense text. The whole chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is a very intense, emotionally intense text, wherein Jesus is just pouring out his heart. He knows he's leaving his friends soon. The disciples, on the, on the other hand, they have no clue, right? 
Um, they have no clue to the, to the point that a few hours after Jesus gave all this talk, Jesus tells them to pray, and they all dozed off. They, they all did not have any idea what was going on around them. And I think that makes it even more complicated for Jesus as the one who is leaving. But this is the farewell discourse of Jesus and the, the, the idea that he is leaving soon. Of course, when the disciples hear this, the disciples were uh, perplexed. What's going on? Why is Jesus saying all of this all of a sudden? I thought we were on, on a roll. We are doing so well. We have just entered Jerusalem and people cheered for us and we are heroes in this city. Why is he talking about leaving? Why is he talking about abandoning us and going away? So the disciples, no doubt, were perplexed. Um, they, were, they were disturbed by the idea that Jesus would leave them. They were disturbed by the idea that Jesus would not be with them, that Jesus would go away someplace and perhaps even forget about them. And of course, today, as we think about what's happening around the world as well, we can't help with the notion, asking the question, where is God in all of this? Is God present in all of this? Where is Jesus in all of this? Has he left us? Has he abandoned us? Um, as Ilam was mentioning, like 20,000 plus people, death, death toll, right? Millions of people rendered homeless and property and a huge economic crisis. Where is God in all of this? And so we feel the anxiety of the disciples. We feel why, we understand why they're perplexed when Jesus says, I will be gone, I will leave you. Where's, where's he going? We don't want to be abandoned. We don't want to be alone. We want Jesus to be with us. We don't want to be left helpless. And so this led me to think about three occasions in, recorded in the book of John in which Jesus kind of left the disciples. They were, they were kind of uh, by themselves without Jesus. The first occasion that I want to just uh, briefly uh, narrate the story is when is the time, uh, the, the event recorded in John 6. And um, John 6, verse 16 to 21, where um, they have just fed thousands of people. And it says here in John uh, 6, verse 16, let me just read um, this from NIV. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they, they got into a boat and set off across the lake of Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The disciples were out in, in the sea by themselves. They were caught alone, away, far away from Jesus Christ, helpless. But Jesus came to them. Jesus was not absent. Jesus came to them and Jesus did not leave them. Jesus did not abandon them. Jesus was with them. The second occasion I want to uh, narrate is, it comes from John 11, uh, which talks about the death of Lazarus. Um, and John 11, verse 17 to uh, onwards, it says this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. 
When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And in verse 23, Jesus said to, to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. So in this story, uh, in the second story, um, both Martha and Mary um, went to Jesus almost in a complaint saying, Lord, if you had been there, you are late. If you had been there, my brother would not have died. And I think how often, in our, even in our own experiences, in our own life, might we relate with these words, right? We, uh, God, if you had been there, if you had been helping me in this, things would have been okay. If you had been with me, things would have been okay. So it is in this line of uh, narratives that we see John 16, the text that we read today. The disciples were perplexed when Jesus said, I will leave you. I will go away for a little while. Because at this point in time, the disciples were quite content. Like I said, they were quite popular in the city and they were, they were, uh, they were reclining after a nice meal with their friend and with their rabbi, the teacher. And they were content enough uh, and this, what the words of Jesus saying he will leave them really perplexed them. Content enough, like I said, that they would sleep when Jesus told them to pray a few hours uh, from this point. But then he keeps talking about leaving. What, what does he mean? Like why, why, would he, why wouldn't he stop talking about leaving? Um, wh- where is he going? Why wouldn't they be able to see him for a while? And he keeps saying that he's leaving them uh, not just missing in action like he was uh, when they were in the boat in the storm. Not just late in coming in the case of Lazarus, uh, the death of Lazarus. This time Jesus is saying that he was leaving them. So it is this feeling, this atmosphere of deep sadness and heaviness. At least as far as Jesus is concerned that this message comes to us. Jesus keeps saying, a little while, a little while and you will not see me. A little while and you will not see me. And a little while and you will see me again. So let's just reflect very briefly on, on what, what Jesus means by a little while. Uh, Jesus says he's going to leave the disciples, but it's just going to be a little while. And of course, he's talking about the cross. The cross, uh, Jesus knew that his time has come and he was about to be taken as, uh, as uh, a prisoner. And he was going to be crucified. He was going to be killed. And yet, and Jesus knows the, the suffering and the pain that he's going to go through. And yet he says, it's just for a little while. He knows what's beyond the cross. He knows what's beyond the suffering. And this is not to minimize the, the pain of the cross. Uh, not to minimize and say that ah, the cross is just a small uh, glitch in, in the story. Uh, it was a big part, it, it was a real suffering, real agony that Jesus suffered. But he still considers that as a little while. The eyes of Jesus were on 
what's beyond the cross, and that is, of course, victory and resurrection. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, we are told that Jesus um, um, looked beyond and saw the, the glory and the prize that was behind, beyond the cross, and he was, uh, he was able to uh, stay disciplined in the course because of his eyes, because his eyes was on the, the reward and the victory. A little while and you will not see me, a little while still and you will see me again. And of course, this sentiment is reflected in the third story that I want to, I want to uh, narrate from John, which comes from John chapter 21. John chapter 21 is, of course, after the cross, after the resurrection. The disciples were all scattered. The unthinkable had happened. They thought that they were in a good spot last Thursday. And now, uh, a few days later, Jesus was crucified. Their friend has been taken away from them. It's like all their hopes had been shattered. All meaning in their life has been stripped of its, uh, of its, uh, uh, of its use. All sense, they've lost all sense and they have lost all purpose. They were like listless. And they were, and in John chapter 22, verse 1, uh, uh, John tells us the story like this. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. A little while they were scattered, they, Jesus had gone from them. And then a little while they didn't see him again. They didn't meet him again. And this was a new meeting. This was a new perspective that they had when they met their friend. He was still their friend, but he was, he was in a way fresh. He was new. He was the resurrected Lord. And they met him. The disciples saw him again, just as he promised. Just as he, uh, he said in uh, John, 21 verse, John 16, verse 21, he says, he, he, he talks about the metaphor of a woman who was giving birth. For that, that moment... The, the, the hour of anguish, the hour of suffering. And after that, once the baby is born, once the child has come, as it says, for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. And that joy, no one can take from you. In a while, Jesus says, you will not see me. But in a while, you will see me again. And when you see me, the joy will be complete and nothing can take the joy away from you. I think there are a number of uh, points or reflections that we can take away. Firstly, the idea of a little while. When we are going through struggles and suffering, um, it's hard to remember that uh, these words of Jesus, uh, that suffering is for a little while. Redemption beyond is 
what we ought to be thinking and focusing our eyes on. And of course, that is easier said than done. But this perspective that Jesus had, Jesus who was looking forward to the next few days of excruciating suffering, could, could say a little while, it's just for a little while. Jesus reminds them, this is just for a little while and beyond that, He will redeem us. And beyond that, if you wait patiently, even beyond a little while, then you, the, he, Jesus tells the disciple, you will meet me afresh. You will meet the resurrected Christ afresh. And this resurrected Christ will completely help you to completely understand the meaning of the gospel. So let's just keep reading in from verse 25 onwards. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And in that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because he has loved me. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Here, Jesus tells another, another important lesson for the disciples. It's not just that a little while later, the disciples will see Jesus again. But it's also that because of Jesus leaving and because of Jesus' work, we have freedom and we have access to the Father. To come to Him in prayer that we can come to, to the Father anytime and He will hear us and He will answer our prayers. Jesus is the mediator that brings this fellowship with the Father. And it is because of this that the joy, the sorrow will turn to joy because now we have the, the audience of the Father that we can come to Him and pray. So, um, just a few thoughts of re reflecting what does this mean for us? Um, uh, what does it mean for people living in the 21st century? First of all, when we see suffering and tragedies and sorrow in this world, we are tempted to ask, where is Jesus in all of this? Where is Jesus in all of this? Why, where is God in all of this? Has He left us? Has He abandoned us? And of course, not just in the big tragedies, but even in our smaller daily challenges that we go through, right? I'm trying to sort out my life, put things in order, but I'm always struck by my own limitedness, by my own uh, failures, um, by my own helplessness. Um, where is God in this? I'm trying to do my best, but it seems like uh, I'm without help. Where is God in all of this? When we go through such moments, we need to remember what Jesus tells us. Um, and we need to look at Jesus who has revealed himself as the resurrected Christ. Loaded with meaning, loaded with promises for us in that. The time, and even, even more than that, just think about it. Just, just think of what Jesus is telling his disciples. It's not just that he's going to leave them. He even promises that you, the disciples, will leave me. The time will come when you scatter away, says in, in verse 17. It's not, just, it's not Jesus who leaves them, it's the disciples who will abandon me, who will forsake me, who will be faithless, who will fail in your faith, walk of faith. Um, you will leave me and abandon me. And of course, this, this was uh, such a uh, correct prophecy because uh, when, the, when Jesus was uh, taken away, all the disciples fled and scattered. 
So it's not just the, the, the struggles in life that we see around us. It's also our limitations, our faithlessness, if I may put it that way. And it is in those moments that we say, has Jesus left us? Uh, has, where is Jesus in this? Has he abandoned us? I think verse 33 is such a beautiful verse that, uh, that he tells the disciples and by extension he tells us. These things, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have troubles and tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You're going to face difficulties, you're going to face struggles, tragedies, you're going to face your own shortcomings, your own um, weaknesses and faithlessness, and I'm telling you these things so that you will have peace. How ironic, how, how strange, and yet how comforting. Jesus tells us that we will fail, the world will fail, others will fail us, and yet he, he tells his disciples, I'm speaking this to you so that you have peace. And when you have tribulations, be encouraged because he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. So, overcome the world. One final reflection. What does it mean to overcome the world? It's easy to understand this word in a combative language that we're supposed to go out and fight the world and defeat everybody. And there may be uh, reasons to understand it that way, but certainly not in this text. In this text, we are told that Jesus overcome the world. How did he overcome the world? He overcame the world through the cross and through the resurrection. He overcame the world by loving the world. He overcame the world by sacrificing himself for the world. Just like Chow said last, last week, the, the world, cosmos, is, uh, we should understand the world as something that God loved. John 3.16, God, God so loved the world. Uh, John 1, the, um, God, the Son was sent to the world to redeem it, to rescue it. So, Jesus overcomes the world by loving the world. Uh, to put it more concretely, Jesus overcomes the world by loving us, by redeeming us, by offering his life as a sacrifice in selfless giving to us, to the world. Jesus overcomes the world for us by giving us his spirit. Jesus overcomes the world by, um, by allowing Emmanuel, God with us, to be true for us the Spirit who lives in us. Jesus overcomes the world um, through, uh, by, by allowing us to see Him as the resurrected Lord. And one day, we will see Him. We will also experience the fullness of the, of the resurrection. We, do, we, we won't just read about it in a text like this from John, John 17, 18. We will experience it. We will live it one day. So, uh, in this world, we will have troubles. We will experience the feeling of being left or forgotten. We will experience our own disbelief and unbelief, our own failures and our own faithlessness. But when we go through these things, Jesus wants us to be encouraged, to be of good cheer, because He has overcome the world. And I just want to leave, hopefully, two um, memorable ways that we may um, we may receive this. First of all, in Scripture, through the Scripture, we have met Jesus as the resurrected Lord. 
through the scripture, we have met Jesus as the resurrected Lord, just like he says, a little while and a little while you'll see me. In the same, in the same vein, through the scripture, we have met with Jesus as the resurrected Lord. And through the scripture, we are told that he is with us through his spirit. And also, uh, so that's through the scripture. Through the scripture, we meet the resurrected Lord. Through the scripture, we, we are told that he has, he has given us a spirit. In our lives, not, not just in scripture, but in our lives today, Jesus tells us we can pray and we can access the Father through him. And secondly, in our life and one day, we will meet him as our resurrection. We will meet him as the resurrected Lord and experience that resurrection. So in scriptures, we meet him as the resurrected Lord and in scriptures we're told that he has given us a spirit. Today in our lives, we can pray and access the Father and in our life one day, we will meet him as the resurrected Lord, experience the resurrected Lord. So let's go back to the first question. Has, has God left us? Is he still with us? Are we alone? Jesus says no. Jesus, he is with us. He has overcome the world. He has given us his spirit and he is with us. Jesus is with us in spirit. And that is the foundation of our fellowship here and around the world as well. We can draw near to God freely. We can pray to him freely and he hears us. And one day we will have a full and complete fellowship with Jesus, meeting him fully and experiencing what resurrection means in our lives fully. So I just want to uh, leave this um, encouragement and say, uh, how might we respond to this? I think we can do that by praying for the world. We can do it by praying for ourselves. We can do it by being encouraged and putting our hope in Jesus. We can do that by choosing to, to have joy and peace uh, that comes by faith in Christ. We can do that by hoping that one day, looking forward to the day that one day we will have this joy that's completed, this joy that's fulfilled. Jesus says, I have overcome the world and his abiding presence is with, is with us today and forevermore. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for opening the way for us that we may know you we thank you for your son. We thank you for all that he does for us. And we thank you that he's in the ceiling for us even today. And we thank you, Lord, that one day we have the hope that we will see him. And we will not just see him, but we will see ourselves being fully made into his likeness. So until that day, we wait and we hope. And as we look around the world, help us to be sensitive. Help us to, uh, to do our part in praying, supporting, and, and being your witnesses. Uh, in, in the places that you have placed us. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name.